welcome everybody to the 16th ever GPS training podcast. So it's myself, John, and I've got Andy with me again. Hello. As always, we're streaming it live on Facebook. So if you don't like our Facebook page, please do just go onto Facebook and search for GPS training. And don't forget to like our page. So without further ado, let's get on with today's podcast. In our 16th podcast, we're going to look at the following. We have an interview with Mark, who's the, uh, from SatMap. We discuss, as we always have to for the last few months, is the GPS Map 66S from Garmin. What a launch we had of that product. We look at our GPS courses that we've got lined up for 2019. As always, we've got Andy's top tips, both Garmin and SatMap. And then finally, after last month, we asked what strange activities people are using their GPS units for. We've got some really good feedback from everybody, so thank you very much for that. So, Mark from SatMap. A little while ago, I chatted to Mark, who is a product manager at SatMap. Hope you agree, he's a top guy and he really knows his stuff. The next thing on today's GPS training podcast is an interview with Mark Ashton. You may recollect Mark was on the podcast a couple of months ago um, in regards to Mountain Rescue, and he's kind of agreed to come back and we're going to look a little bit about SatMap because, Mark, welcome first of all to the podcast. Thank you. Um, you have a bit of a role within SatMap. So how do you fit in within SatMap? And before we start and you hold it up, Facebook viewers, I'm going to hold up the SatMap Active 20 so you all know what the SatMap current GPS looks like. What's your role within this great British organisation? So um, I'm product manager for a company called Burton McCall. Uh, Burton McCall are the distributors for SatMap GPS devices. Um, we will sell them to you. Um, and my role there is strategic planning and promotions. That's what a product manager does. Is yeah, of, and then report also back to the manufacturing yeah, feedback. We're, we're the link between a, a manufacturer and the sales team and the end customer. Brilliant. So if Emmy's listened to our very early podcast, it was podcast number three. We had Ross on, who you work alongside Ross yep. was on last year. So um, it's a while ago. So let's let's forget we never had Ross. Let's forget he was never on the podcast. Do you want to recap a little bit about SatMap, about the history of SatMap? how it came about and where we are going to say, I know it's quite yeah, a yeah, yeah, question, but off we go. So um, my first experience with C and SatMap was a circuit board, a screen and a battery. Right. When I used to work for, um, let's just say a well-known national retailer. We can, oh, actually, we won't, we won't mention them. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's a colour. Yeah. It's, a dark colour. A dark colour. Um, that's where I used to work with Ross. Right. Um, we used to work within the training department. And I was asked to go to Burton McCall and say they've got something that they wanted me to see. Wouldn't tell me what it was. Um, and when I saw it, it was a, a wow moment. Okay. Um, we, we, we call it that sliced bread moment because it, it's what everybody wanted within a GPS device. Which so was a Which is a GPS screen. with a colour screen with ordnance survey maps oh. on it, which everybody used to think a GPS did. And yeah. it, it quite blatantly didn't. So the history of SatMap um, established in 2006... Me and Ross joke about two guys tinkering in a shed. Yeah, it, yeah. it was pretty much like that. So there was Richard and Howard who both had a military background. Mm -hmm. uh, one was in the army, one was a fast jet pilot. Mm -hmm. So it's mixing electronics with mapping. Mm -hmm. And their idea was, how can I put mapping onto a GPS device? Do you know when you go quickly going back to when you first saw that GPS, was it a SatMap Active 10 at that point or was it just 
wires in, in the box? Or? It was... I wouldn't encourage anybody to take a sat map apart, but if you, if you took an old Active 10 apart, yeah, yeah it, it was it the inside. Oh, no, the outside weren't created at that stage, but it, it was the, the very very first prototype of this is what it's going it's, it's gonna to do. Right. right, back to where you were, sorry. So, um, yeah, they wanted to enter the GPS market with a GPS that had on-screen OS mapping, mm -hmm. uh, and they went to various places and said, I've got this idea, and people said it can't be done, it would be in excess of a thousand pounds. Ordnance Survey would never support it because of they, it, they'd lose map sales. Yeah. Um, and that's where SatMap was created. Mm -hmm. and, and then it, over the years, so that was a SatMap Active 10. Active 10, yeah. Which, um, it did take the world by storms. You know, I, oh, I was at I was at our door show, and and, and we'd had Garmin for the years, and um, and Magellan had come into the marketplace as well. Magellan were they not the market leaders at the time? I can't remember. They were yeah, Sam I mean, and Magellan. Were Magellan there. were the first people to bring out a, a commercial handheld, yeah. and then obviously Garmin, the, the the force they are, they dominated the market because they had multiple levels. So you'd, you'd have your old yellow E-Trex that you'd be your entry model, yeah. and then you'd have mapping devices which had topo mapping. Yeah. Um, and then along came two guys and said, "We've got it with an OS mapping yeah. on." And it was it was a wow moment. It and was. I remember the, sh the first show in Birmingham, yeah. which was astonishing, yeah. absolutely astonishing. Because what every whatever you want it is this bright screen or, or comparative bright. I know they've got bright all the time. Yeah, yeah. Bright screen. Um, this this ordnance survey map. Where before with Garmin's we were downloading top of mapping on. We were buying mapping for 150 pounds, transferring it onto our old legends and this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And when we saw that Active 10, like it did just completely dominate that. And really, then SatMap had that market to themselves for many years. Yeah, didn't for they? a number it, of years. It took quite a while for anybody to to get anywhere. Well, I really. think you've got that that three years where Howard and Richard were tinkering in the shed. Yeah. The, the guys had to catch up that. Yeah in a, a very short period of time, which, yes, yeah, they've done now. So mm -hmm. we now take OS maps on a GPS device for granted. Yeah. So we had SatMap Active 10, then 12. What's the difference between the 10 and the 12? So the 12, um, it's... What SatMap try and do is bring out a device and make it future-proof. Yeah. So they do lots of software developments and software upgrades yeah. rather than bring out multiple devices. Yeah, so yeah. the 10 had got to its duration of life. Right. Um, there'd be components that we were struggling to get primarily the screen mm -hmm. um, so we then moved to the 12 which had a higher grade processor because as computer technology yeah. moves on let's move with the times so it went to a higher processor it had a higher resolution screen yeah. and then had a built-in barometric altimeter right. which increased accuracy brilliant and that's one thing it is with satmap i know you mentioned that is it is so many software updates all the time improving the product it's just like a like a, a windows computer that you can put in your operator it does it really does like, i i see that difference as, as, as somebody who looks across different brands how quickly things evolve because yeah, they, just, yeah, they look at the waterproof computer and they keep just putting software updates and yeah so active 10 and active 12 is as a hc screen barometer a barometric <coughs> um, um altimeter um, and then we had we had a real i'm gonna say a, a long spell without any updates Yep. And then we got the Active 20, Active 20 which really again kind of shook up the market. It's kick-started it again massively. Um, the Active 20 has been in development for behind the scenes for an awful long time yep. um, with a huge amount of investment on technology yep. because one of the things that we get an awful lot of credit for is a unit that runs using buttons. Yes. Um, we have a certain customer demographic that don't want touchscreen yep. and they want buttons. But most modern day technology now, if you look at 
smartphones, yeah. everything is is touchscreen driven. And if we go and do a demo, the first thing that people would start doing is tapping the screen. Yeah, yeah, and your yeah. first line is, oh, it's not touchscreen, it's yeah, buttons. Yeah. So do we move from a button device to a touchscreen device? Yeah. And we got some customer feedback from people we know mm -hmm. and gear reviewers mm -hmm. were, whatever you do, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we need to do that. Yeah. So we've been developing technology that will do both. Yeah. So it is that. People don't know, Setmap Active 20 is um, got touchscreen and buttons. And also it's got this fantastic HD map, which again, is, is it takes a little while to load initially, doesn't it? But once it's there, it's, it's phenomenal with that HD Yeah, screen. I mean, so, so the big move from 10 to 12, we, we discussed the mm -hmm. processor screen, etc. The move into the 20 is the dual control. So you've got buttons or touchscreen. Mm -hmm. You can switch the touchscreen off if you don't want to use the touchscreen at all. Mm -hmm. It's now got, again, the fastest processor we can get at that size. Yeah. So it's now ludicrously fast. Yeah. Um, compared to the old devices. We've added Gorilla Glass, yes. so it's got a huge amount of resilience to scratches uh, on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just brought the unit up to a completely different level durability-wise. Because yeah. the Achilles heel of the old devices is there were open doors where you could put map cards in really yeah, easily. Yeah. And as soon as you put a rubber open door, then yeah. water can get in just yeah, as easily. Yeah. Um, so now it's completely submergible in water if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. That's more importantly if you're crossing a stream and it, you forget it's in your pocket or you, or you drop it. Um, and it's also a lot more drop proof mm -hmm. than it used to be. So the old devices, you used to have the Pro Shield, which was the rubber yeah. silicon case, which got you the durability, but you did lose a little bit of mm -hmm. dexterity around the buttons. And the key thing, which um, is, is this Galileo. So currently it's the only outdoor GPS unit to utilize Galileo, which is the yeah, European yeah. satellite system that's there. So that's been fantastic. Yeah, so again, within the development, um, the aerial within the GPS is, is in the top. He's holding it up for the Facebook users. If you listen to some of the podcasts, you can't see. He's holding up a SatMap Active 20. Yeah. So if you Google a SatMap image where the SatMap logo is at the top, the, yeah. the aerial is, is beneath that. And it looks a little bit like a, a Nicorette patch. Oh, right, okay. Uh, slightly thicker, but you can get them in various different sizes. So yeah. we've gone for the biggest size okay. chipset we can get. Mm -hmm. That gives you the ability to track satellites much, much quicker because mm -hmm. you've got a, a bigger surface area looking for it. Um, and yes, it will track the GPS system in the US. Yeah. It will track Galileo mm -hmm. in Europe, and it will also do GLONASS in Russia. Russia. as well, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just absolutely startling, the accuracy of that unit. It's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, indoors, even indoors, you're getting like, accuracy of like, a few feet. It's just yeah, something yeah. we've never experienced. And also, that, that Galileo is, is so much quicker to log on and this kind of thing. Yeah, it's if, very quick. I mean, the important thing there is it doesn't use one set of satellites yeah. at a time. It will mix all of them together. So if you go into dense tree cover, the more satellites you go in with, yes, the more ch chance you've got of holding that. So in my time of using Active 20, I've never lost a satellite long. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. And the other key thing as well is this battery. It's absolutely humongous. I suspect it would be half the weight it's, of the unit, is it? It, it is. Um, <laughs> but the the downside of any GPS device is if the battery runs out, it, it stops exactly. working. Mm -hmm. So let's put the biggest battery we can. Yeah. Battery technology has moved on, so we're now using lithium polymer batteries. It's 5,000 milliamps for people who like numbers. Yeah. For people who don't like numbers, it'll run all day on a single And if charge. we put that into comparison, really, you know, if you get some good quality AA rechargeable batteries, they're usually 2,300, 2,500. You can get 2,800. So we're kind of near enough twice the batteries. Of, of, we can understand yeah, yeah, the AA batteries, can't we? And then as 
accessories you can get spare LiPo batteries yeah. so if you're going on a big trip you can take two sets of batteries yeah. you can get double A battery caddy so if you yeah. do want to go to the double A rechargeables or yeah. the disposable double A's you could do mm-hmm. or you could always run up from a power bank and yeah. a, if you're on a really long trip a power bank and a solar panel yeah yeah and we can power it off that car we so the key thing with SatMap is these accessories and the one the nice thing they've done it is gone and and booted up with another company, um, Quadlock, yep. and they built this accessory, or the group of accessories together. People don't know how this works. There's actually a plate on the back of the sat map. You replace that with a slightly different plate, what we call a back plate, yep. and then this Quadlock, literally, as it says, and they said, just Quadlock to the some. back of it, twist at the back of it. So why did they go down this line, and what, what are the benefits of Quadlock, really? So historically, the biggest selling accessory for the Active 10 and the Active 12 was the bike mount, and you're right, we used to pretty much produce that ourselves yeah. with help of a few other people um it used to be really robust really strong but it used to sit off the handlebars yeah. quite a long way which used to get quite a lot of criticism for um and it couldn't be changed so when we developed the active 20 we looked at putting a different base plate on it to okay. make it sit closer to the bike right and then worked in conjunction with Quadlock, who yeah. are based in australia who do a whole range of attachments for bikes and car mounts and bits and pieces like that. Um, and it's really simple. It's push a button, twist it on, and, it, yeah. and it's on. You can take it off just as quickly, but once it's on, it, it won't come off. Yeah. Um, it deals really, really well with vibration if you're on a mountain bike or a road bike. Uh, and as testament to that, Howard, who's the MD at SatMap in the summer, went and rode 12 stages of the Tour de France wow, brilliant. Um, using an Active 20 to record everything he'd done. So you don't need to work out yeah. how, how far 12 stages of the Tour de France <laughs> was, and it survived that without any trouble some at all. Some speed down some of those hills as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crawl up, speed down. Uh, we give some tips. So they are really good. That's, I, I really like those. It's nice if people don't know. You see the quad lot do accessories for iPhones and smartphones. It's a yeah, universal yeah. thing. And I think in the accessory world, it is the one of the best mountains. Oh, completely. It's, particularly it's on smart, a bike. compact. It looks really good. Yeah, like particularly it. on a bike because then it just sits in front of you. It'll, mm. it'll record your track. If you've got a route built into it, you can yeah. you can watch where you're going. That's fantastic. So, as we mentioned a bit earlier on, the key thing with the SatMap is the number of software updates and developments. It seems to be like literally every week. There's another one this week. I know we're recording this in, in summertime. We're going to release this nearer Christmas. But there was another <coughs> software update this week. It, it's complete, It's like this waterproof computer keep adding software updates to all yeah. the time. Evolving. I know some of these are fixing bugs as, as, as any uh, piece of devices happens, modern modern devices do. But adding new features to it and this kind of thing. Is this like is this going to continue forever or are we going to stop it when we get it? Um, I'd like to think it will continue for yeah. the life of the Active 20 until we get the next sat map, which, you know, don't worry, it's, it's going to be a long way off because we've got a lot of scope with what we've got now. Um, one of the big benefits is we're based in the UK, yeah. based in Leatherhead. Um, we've got offices there. People can phone us, email us, good or bad, because we get feedback from both of them. Um, we've done work with the military. We've done an awful lot of work with mountain rescue teams. Yes. So on the Active 12, we put on areas of interest and lines of interest. Yeah. Um, most of that has come from mountain rescue requirements yeah, for yeah. searching and things yeah. like that. But it gives us the ability to upgrade the device yeah. and make it more user-friendly or more focused on professional users. Yeah, yeah. 
I think that's the big thing is actually because because it's that British company. When something happens, it happens quite quickly, and actually that it, hits the, it does. Hits I mean, market quite we'll, as we well. will log every phone call or, or email, right. so we can't do everything. No. So if you phone out and say, "I wish it did this," mm-hmm. we probably can't do one-offs, yeah. but we'll record that yeah. call of could it do this, yeah. and if it comes up regularly, yeah. then we'll put the software engineers. Can we get it to do this? Yeah without affecting something else. Yeah, yeah. And if we can do it, then we'll do it. And then it gets updated, which is really good. And then recently we've had the new Expedition 2 planning software. So Expedition is the route planning software that SatMap users use. Yep. It's an online-based um, route planning software, isn't it? So you log in, you get it, when you get uni, you get it free for a year, and then That's you pay it. a small subscription after that day. So we've had Expedition, was that 10, 12? When did that come out? Quite early that on. That came out during the 12. During the 12 Expedition. And then we've been waiting for some time, but thankfully the Expedition 2 has come out, which is also Mac-friendly as well, because that was the other thing, the Expedition 1 didn't work that well on the That's Mac, it. and the, yeah. the new one does. So what what are the key features that the Expedition 2 has compared to the Expedition 1? So um, Expedition 1 was primarily focused at giving you the ability to see your maps on a screen, yeah. uh, draw a route on a PC, yeah. and then transfer it to the device using uh, a secondary piece of software yeah, called yeah. SatSync, yeah. which converted a GPX file, yeah. which if anybody uses mapping software, it'll be familiar with, mm-hmm. into a .map file, mm-hmm. which most people won't be familiar with. Yeah. Um, so SatMap 10 and 12 used to work in a .map file, and that was m- mainly based around the early days of the units OS being worried about the replication of maps right okay so they needed to, we needed to write the mapping software yeah, yeah. in a format that couldn't be copied yeah um so we used a dot map format mm-hmm. which at that time was fine and you were pioneering it was a new it was completely new but so. now as you can get more and more online software or mm-hmm. pc software yeah. which does os maps mm-hmm. everybody now uses a gpx format yeah. so the new Active 20 will import and export GPX files yep. quite happily. So the new Expedition 2 uses GPX format rather than .map format. Right. If you have got a 10 or a 12, it'll still work, yep. and that software will still convert from map to GPX and yep. vice versa automatically. It's been a while coming um, because Windows dropped Silverlight yeah. just at the point we'd almost finished <laughs> and launched H- HTML5. So right. again, that's just go back and almost start from scratch again. Because I suppose that's the thing is because it's being accessed through a browser, what happens in the browser world affects you. Oh yeah, completely. Isn't it, really? um, particularly when Mac do their their software or yeah, yeah. their changes, there's a lot of catch up there. Yeah. Um, but things that the the new Expedition Two will do, I won't go into all of it because uh-huh. we could do a whole podcast for a day. It's it's huge. But one of the big things is using data from open source mapping. Yeah. To be able to click to track, yeah. So and this is going to be this across the whole path network, or just within national parks? Um, it'll do the whole of the world. Yeah, right. And the reason being is we're using we we had two choices: do we use open source information or do we use the OS data? Because the OS data is just national parks. So currently, it's only national parks. Right. They are looking, from what I can gather, to expand that, but we don't know how long that's going to take. Um, and looking at the open source mapping. If you're walking in the lakes or Wales, let's use the Bracken Beacons because I know it very, very yeah, well. Yeah. Almost all the trodden paths in the beacons mm-hmm. are on open source mapping. Yes. So that sat underneath your OS map that yeah. you'll see on the screen. Mm-hmm. You can click point A and point B. Point B can be five or six miles away. Yeah. 
and the open source route will click to a footpath yeah. to get you between those two points Brilliant. and then the OS map hovers on top of it so yeah. it uses the open source mapping for doing the route yeah. and the, the map OS. the OS so you can see, you can see, see what you want to yeah, see yeah, completely. Completely. Yeah. yes there are slight variations but it's so slight yeah. you wouldn't notice it that's exactly right and is, is that this is going to appear on tablets in the future is it iPads and things yeah or? so the, yes. the, the benefit of HTML5 is it will run across multiple platforms right. so it, it, it will do laptops PCs um, Mac iPad it will even even work on smartphones mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the ability to link your active 20 yeah. using the Wi-Fi yeah. and use your phone as a hotspot yeah. we're looking to be able to put snap to root planning yeah. onto the device that's currently the moment we can only use snap to root if we've got a Wi-Fi capability yes. connected to Wi-Fi but as you're saying hopefully as most of us can on smartphones now make a hotspot and then you can piggyback on the back of that that's just yeah, not far away. That's going to be just down the line. Yeah, yeah. Really? and that's that's been thought about when we brought out the Active Twenty to try and make it as future proof as possible. Yeah. And do you think that oh, is this a way? Since you say about um, Ordnance Survey, potentially we could have rootable data outside national parks in the future. Would would do you think SatMap would then go that way, or do you think we we'll carry on using the open source data? Is, is there any thought? Is this been? Well, it must have been. I mean, it, 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 it will have definitely been thought about. I think we'll. We'll make a call of how how long it'll take to do, um, and how national it is. Yeah. Um, the benefit of open source is it's worldwide. Yes, so if you go to Spain, France, Italy, it'll do it there as well. Because that's the big thing with SatMap is that they've got really good overseas mapping as well, haven't they? Where you, oh yeah, the, I mean the map catalog is huge. It is absolutely huge, and they have the ability to digitize a paper map yeah um so it's one of the services that SatMap do they probably don't do it that often now because they've got a lot more mapping mm -hmm. data than they used to have mm -hmm. but you could send a map to them as long as it could be geo-referenced they could yeah. put it onto a device and the nice thing is as well they actually will do bespoke maps i know we've had customers who want i want this irish mapping this irish mapping oh why do we stick on the same map card for you oh, yeah, yeah. so if you all want that sat map mapping you got a sat map and you want something a little bit different give us a shout because i think you can make up the map cards as, as people want them according to their Especially, I know there's there's going to be limitations there, but yeah, I mean we we can now get the whole country in three different scales, so one to fifty thousand, one to twenty five thousand, and one to ten thousand yeah. mapping on a single SD card, which is astonishing. I mean that's where technology has moved on. Yeah, so we can now do almost anything with any map card. Yeah, it is. It's a really good thing. So, so brilliant. All right, Mark, that's been fantastic. Have a quick chat about the SatMap. Well, SatMap as a whole. SatMap Active 20 Generally. is the current device. Um, if people haven't seen it, just go and have a look at our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on GPS Training Store and then click on SatMap GPS Units. We actually do the three bundles. I don't know if you're aware of this, not after Mark, but we do the uh, we do it with the um, what's called the Platinum version, which is yeah. 1 to 10, 1 to 25, and 1 to 50, which is what you were discussing there. We do it 1 to 50,000. Uh, we do the solo units because people got an active 12 they could transfer those uh, maps yeah, yeah. over um, and sometimes it has to be converted we also bundle it just with a 125,000 mapping as well so we buy it as a separate product and bundle that separately Perfect. as well so there's plenty of options there and, uh, different map and the value within the top packages as I said the premium packages is the value is within that map card it is when you if you bought that on paper yeah, you're into thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have those those different map sets there. So yeah, get in touch with ourselves. And uh, thank you, Mark, for joining me on the GPS Train podcast. Oh. And again, if there's any questions or any anything else, just 
um, drop us an email and I can forward those on to Mark and hopefully you can answer them or bring them up with Satmap. Cheers. Perfect. The next thing on the podcast this month is a look at the GPS map 66S. What a start. We've had some great feedback. As you must be seen, you've been followers on GPS chain. We've really had a fantastic uh, launch to the 66S. So, Andy, what do you think? What, have we learned anything over the last month? Is there anything that you've kind of picked up with the 66S and, and when you've been speaking to customers and you've learned yourself? What are the key things that you've learned over the last uh, well, last four weeks really or two weeks and the customers who have been using a push button unit from garmin before have liked the bigger screen because it's got the bigger screen with the more pixels it's looking great in the sunlight the screen so i've had some good feedback on the screen i've had a couple of customers who do nighttime walk and of course this time of year with the clocks changing they've liked the backlit button so i've had a good response from the backlit buttons and the one thing I've liked when I've been using it, just because I'm so used to it on the newer touchscreen units, is this start and stop with the track recording rather than it always recording. We set the units up if you buy a unit from ourselves, so you're pressing that enter button when you're on the map page to say start recording and then stopping it and saving it rather than just having it record constantly. I've quite liked that new feature as Brilliant. well. I was out with it last Sunday. Uh, so the first time I was out for a lovely walk, just a, a walk locally. And I was playing a lot with the Galileo because we can either have um, GPS and GLONASS or GPS and Galileo. Those are the yeah. two options. So I know I had a little bit of play with that. It was quite interesting that the, the when I was on using the Galileo, I was actually one foot less accurate than I was with the GLONASS. But I know there was a software update on Monday, wasn't there? I think that's sort yeah. of... Was it a couple of things we found? Um, the Galileo is really to future-proof the unit yeah. because the satellites aren't all up and running yet. So what we found is I, I've actually been recommending to customers that they leave it set as GPS and GLONASS, okay. which is how we've been sending them out. But don't be too despondent with that because the, the Galileo satellites are very new and they're just starting to sort of turn them on so i think we're going to see that accuracy improve but the one thing john's mentioned that he knows i've discovered and um, what we found is if you use a program called garmin express which is a free download from garmin if you search on whatever browser you're using put garmin express on your computer with the gps map 66s plugged in when you ask garmin express to check for updates we've noticed this new update that comes through i think it's been once a week i've seen an update yeah. and it's called gnss update right. and what i've learned is what that update is it's letting the gps device know the current location of the satellites from a nasa system i believe okay so what i'd recommend to customers with the 66s is use garmin express every week just check to see if there's any updates right. and what you'll find is it'll put that information into your gps so that when you're outside you should get a quicker fix because the gps knows exactly the positioning of the satellites from this nasa website i believe right so. okay because that was literally when i was out i was just getting it's it's the first gps we've been able to see what on each of the satellite systems which satellite is picking up and i know when i was on the galileo it was just picking up four satellites i was amazed that had when the on the uh, the glonass it was picking up maybe 10 or 12 and it was getting one foot less accuracy with the four satellites than it was the 12 on the glonass so I think when when all those come in and we get all the satellites and yeah. you say it located, it is going to be. It's phenomenal. the future proof it, yeah. yeah. I mean, one thing it's worth it if you have got the new sixty six S from us. This is the final thing on the satellites that we discovered that we've not seen before. If you actually go to the main menu and select the satellite icon, when you're on the satellite icon, if you press your key button, the one to the right or left, it scrolls between two satellite it pages does, yeah. mm -hmm. and it shows you what the GPS satellites are you're locked onto and what either the GLONASS are 
or the Galileo ones, depending how you've set it up. But I think for the minute, I would recommend in the system and satellite setting, you set it up as GPS and GLONASS. Well, I say we've had a phenomenal, I've never seen a GPS sell as quickly as this one has. I think the history is, I think a lot of people had 60, 60s, 62s, then 64s. Quite a loyal customer who likes that button GPS unit and with the larger screen and everything I think they, they, they went for it no mm. they don't want that touch screen unit and again we've actually had a few Oregon 750 customers actually trading their Oregons yeah. for because they've now got a push button with a bigger screen yeah it's been a hugely popular so thank you very much who's a paper who's bought it either pre pre-bought from ourselves or bought it since then and so we've got loads uh, still in stock we've been getting them in so uh, yeah thank you for everybody who's uh, done that um we had a phenomenally busy day on launch day. I don't know if people kept up with the live videos that we did, but those now have been embedded on YouTube and you'll find those on our website. So yeah, have a look on our website. So we want to find out more about the Garmin GPS Map 66S and 66ST, please just visit our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, click on GPS store, then handheld GPS units, and you will see the GPS Map 66S and T versions units for the full GB maps. Next thing on the GPS Training Podcast this month is our GPS Training Courses for 2019. What are the locations of our physical courses? I've just put this in because this last week we just started, well, just finishing populating the courses uh, for next year, Andy, haven't we? So yeah. one change of location, and we've kind of well, we've moved a couple around over the last year. So um, Andy does the lakes course in Mont Grisdale, so you, we yeah. do Satmap and Garmin over there, don't yeah, we? Yeah, so that's in the north of the lakes, just in between Keswick and Penrith. Nice location, so, nice village hall, Mont Grisdale. Mont Grisdale has a lovely, absolutely superb village hall, isn't it? It's a really nice, great location, some nice walking yeah. uh, from the doorstep. Accommodation nearby, you know, I have from Keswick, I was over there a couple of weeks ago. I just stayed in Keswick, it's just 10 minutes drive away. Burley Hall, New Forest. So, Ian does the course down there, doesn't he? Um, which is again really nice. That was New Forest that we brought in be two years ago. Mm -hmm. We started that course, uh, which has been hugely popular, hitting that southwest uh, side of the country. A new course for last year was Great Cansley in Northamptonshire. Um, which again we did that because the shared forest course we kind of closed down because we had problems with the the room there or they were knocking down the classroom so we've moved uh, we've got Northamptonshire course there and we now next year are doing satmap courses there and also going back to the new forest we've got yeah. satmap courses there a new course <laughs> last year was EM in the Peak District which I go and do so uh, EM in the Peak District again really nice that's at the youth hostel there got really good classroom there and it's a it's a, it's a good one. New for next year, Andy, is... Peebles. Peebles. I was up there Scotland. two weeks ago, Scottish Borders. I was up there two weeks ago just checking out the classroom there. Really nice. Don't people know Peebles. It's about the same size Rothbury is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, again, plenty of uh, hotels there. There's um, places to eat and drink. Um, and lovely down by the riverside there. So, I'm up there and I'm going to go maybe just in the new year do some final bit of recce up there. So if you are, Peebles is really nice for people of the Glasgow, Edinburgh, it's not all that far away, plus you've got all those border um, towns and villages there. And then Clayton and Kingston in the South Downs, which uh, we do have those two locations um, according to which yeah. uh, rooms that we get. And Ian, uh, who's our, you know, does our, well, he does all our courses up to Northamptonshire, uh, delivers those courses there. 
tell you where we missed Rothbury. You didn't Rothbury? mention Rothbury. Rothbury where we Northumberland, are, Northumberland. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So we do a course in Rothbury, a few courses in Rothbury. If Roth- anyone wants to come and see where we are. Yeah, so we do those actually at our base. And we do SatMap and Garmin courses there. So quickly, Andy, SatMap course is one day course, isn't it? Yeah, SatMap one day course on using the unit. Um, we don't do a two day course on the SatMap because the software planning is an online program and you end up killing the internet and you're relying on an online server. So what the thing is, though, if you come on our SatMap one day course, you'll learn how to use the unit. We'll give you a demonstration of the software, but you get to go away with one year's access to our online training course, which is full of videos on using the planning software. That's brilliant. And then the Garmin course, Andy, is two days, isn't it? The Garmin's a two day because we're able on the second day to do the base camp Garmin planning software because it's not an online program it means it can be preloaded on computers we're not relying on a a third party server or internet access so we can reliably train on the Garmin planning software on the day two of the course. Yes the first day is just solely on the unit and there's a little bit of demonstration on Garmin Basecamp isn't it and the second day is solely If you want to learn about Basecamp software you come on both days and do day two as well. And if people don't know what Basecamp is Andy? That's free planning software you download from Garmin that lets you plan routes to send your Garmin GPS and manage any tracks that you've got saved in your unit as well. Fantastic so the majority of those courses are on the website there's not that many. There's not many more to go I've got the um, the Peebles one will be on this morning the first one and we've got at least I think more, the first six or seven months of Brilliant. courses are on there now. Just a few more to go on. Yeah, so if you are going to think about the gone one, please try and go on for both days because, again, um, we do get people who just go on one day or the second and it just kind of slow the course down a bit because it is really a two-day course. Yeah. We do it so people can split it. They've got family, you know, parties or something to go to. But the majority of people do tend to go for that two days, don't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. So that's it. So there's myself, Andy, um, and uh, Ian down south. Um, that, and we have a guy called Martin as well who helps us on the Lake District one. So, again, you'll see one of us. Um, on the GPS training course and it's like-minded people getting together and, and mm-hmm. we are quite flexible in what we learn so if you've got any specific things you want covering they'll let us know when you book and uh, the trainer will cover that within it. Next thing on the GPS training podcast is Andy's top tip. So Andy your SatMap top tip for this month. Yep, so my SatMap top tip is to do with some recent software updates on the newer Active 20 unit. I've had a few customers and actually someone on a course in the Lake District a couple of weeks ago asked me about the root colour. When you're navigating a route on the Active 20, the default root colour is quite pale. It's like a pale yellow and some customers were struggling to see that. A new feature they've added with some of the recent software updates on your SatMap Active 20 if you go into your main your main menu in your settings, there's a new menu called root rendering. Okay. If you go into root rendering, you've got a couple of nice choices. The obvious one is normal root color, and if you either touch down on the normal root color or use the joystick and press down in the middle of the joystick, you get this lovely hexagon appear with every single. I was going to say every color. The rainbow is just masses of colors, and you can move the joystick and select the color you would like to see as your normal root color. And one thing I like that SatMap have added, they have this option called um, completed route colour, so that as you move over your route, it changes colour the bit you've completed, which is nice if you've got routes that are crisscrossing, uh-huh. you know that you've already completed a bit. So it's just a reminder, SatMap Active 20, if you've been updating your unit using SatSync software or Wi-Fi, go to your main menu, settings, and the option called route rendering, and you can change your route colour. Very good. 
Garmin top tip, Andy? Garmin top tip, it's something that comes up quite a bit, but it's that time of year when weather isn't as nice. We start getting, uh, well, mind you, in this country, we could get rain all year round, but you've got the potential of snow and hailstone as we get into the winter. Customers with touchscreen units, we always recommend when you get this time of year, especially if you're using it on a bike um, where it's open to the elements, if it starts hailstoning, you can get some funny effects on the touchscreen of the unit, but there's a simple way to overcome this, which is lock the screen. So on the touchscreen units on a Garmin, you simply, it's the same on all the new touchscreen units, you push the power button once and you get to a menu where there's a padlock icon at the very bottom of the screen. It looks like a locked padlock. So you touch that padlock icon, locks the screen, stops it. The, the map will still move as you move, it's still recording. And when you want to unlock the screen to have a look at it, you just repeat the process, press the power button once and touch the unlock padlock symbol. So great if it is starting to snow and hailstone, it means you can still have it in your hand and you're not worried about funny touches on the screen from the hail bouncing off the touch screen. That's brilliant. So that's Andy's sat map and Garmin top tips. So his sat map is changing the colour of the route and rendering and is one his Garmin top tip is locking that screen, especially with hailstone around on the touch screen GPS units. Now, after last month's podcast, we discussed some of the strange activities people are using their outdoor GPS units for. So thank you very much for everybody who's got in touch. I can't go over because we've got quite a few emails, but I'm just going to go over a few that we uh, had a, a big smell at. Ian, I think Ian's got a great mention in this this week's yeah. month's podcast, right. isn't he? So you need to get on, Ian interviewed. Let's get Ian on it, what we see. Ian sent an email saying on a number of the courses he's had, he's had some um, he's had ultra marathon runners, which I know we've spoken to in this past. He's had a research scientist for smooth skinned snake in the new forest they must have been plotting where their snakes are and he's had a member of the British Antarctic survey on one of his courses as well so that's three ones so thanks Ian for sending those through uh, we had a guy called um, Stephen Turner uh, who sent a really uh, nice email through and he's saying he's using it in Zambia and Zimbabwe to identify the positions of existing and proposed boreholes in these countries to improve village water supplies. He says he used it a lot for hiking in the UK as well. And he says, many thanks for a good service and an excellent website. So thank you very much. That's really good to see it's being used for great cause there, Andy, isn't it? Yep. And then um, I had another nice one from a guy called Tony Addy, which just came through yesterday, actually. So thanks, Tony. I was just actually putting the running order together yesterday morning for the uh, podcast, and your email came pinging through, and I thought this is really good. One. He's a, a, a photographer, so he's a very keen photographer, and he uses it to uh, add location coordinates uh, to the date on his JPEG and RAW files when he started taking pictures. Now, it's quite technical, this. Um, he said... Um, he said, none of my current cameras, both the Nikon SLR, Lumix FZ200 and Fuji F30 have inbuilt GPS location required on extracting the time code data from the Garmin GPS GPX file and loading this together with the photographs to edit this in a program called Hudar GOV5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Andy, you must know that program. I think I did talk to Tony about this. I think I did have a look at the program, but it's something that uh, it's a program you can use to take a Garmin GPX file and link it to your photographs. So you, 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 if you've got a GPS that hasn't got a camera, and of course in Tony's case, he's using professional cameras to take photographs, linking them to a position. Yeah. So he's using, he's got an Oregon <laughs> 750 that he purchased from nearly a year ago. It's actually just coming up a year ago. 
and he said Andy was extremely helpful in helping me decide which mods replace my GPS map 60 CSX who purchased from our predecessor which is Peter Judd uh, several years ago so thanks that but uh, Tony and I'm glad you're using a nice technical way there I'm finally Thank you for listening to this month's podcast. I must quickly say thank you very much for their kind words. We did a special podcast uh, in the middle of the month uh, with my uh, interview with Duncan. And uh, I have some really kind words about that. And a lot of people just like, it's just a slightly different uh, podcast. And some people like some of the questioning I had. So I appreciate that feedback. It is very much appreciated. And it has been downloaded a massive amount of times. So it's been a hugely popular one to be downloaded. So thank you very much uh, for all your kind words about that. If you've not listened to it, just go back to the previous podcast. And you listen to my interview with Duncan Hutchinson, who's the guy who built his own boat and has rowed across the Atlantic in it. So then, many thanks for listening to us and letting us, um, um, what we've covered in this month's podcast, this is our 16th podcast. Please do give us a call, especially if you're thinking of buying a new GPS unit. And please do take a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our webinars. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on GPS training courses. Please do tell your friends about the podcast and about GPS training. And don't forget, you can watch recording of us um, on recording our podcast on our Facebook page, which is GPS Training UK, or on our YouTube channel, which is just GPS Training. And don't forget to RSTR podcast with his rate our podcast on iTunes. Please do this. It really does help. And thank you for the people who have rated it. It helps it rank up in iTunes. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to. And finally, please do tell a friend about both GPS training and the GPS training podcast. Please help us spread the word. Any help is very much appreciated. So many thanks, Andy, for joining me on this, the 16th ever GPS training podcast. Thank you. And uh, whatever you're going to do in November, have a good time and get out there and enjoy your walking. Mm -hmm.